Come Holy Spirit, take our minds and think with them. Take my lips and speak with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As my friend Lee, the Reverend Lee Hastings Bristols III likes to say, the kingdom of heaven is RSVP. The favor of your reply is requested. Jesus RSVP'd to a dinner party at one of the leaders of the Pharisees in Luke's gospel in the material just preceding today's parable. And Jesus brought with him some guests from the streets. They probably didn't smell as nice as most of the dinner guests and even brought a tax collector. The Pharisees began to grumble. They said, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus in rapid fire fashion in Luke's gospel tells three stories in a row to the Pharisees. First was the lost sheep. The second was the lost coin. And the third was the parable that we have in today's gospel lesson, the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, or the loving father, or the father who had two sons, whatever title you'd like to give it. Jesus began by saying there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. What the Pharisees would have heard was something like this, the son was saying. Father, give me the two goats and the chunk of cheese that's coming to me, and oh, by the way, drop dead. You can almost hear the rending of their garments by the Pharisees as Jesus said those words. The parable of the lost son or prodigal son is not always the most loved of the parables of Jesus. I know that. Because their eldest sons and daughters and their younger brothers and sisters. And also, some folks have a need to condemn others with self-righteousness. The only party I was going to in 1967 was a pity party. Like the younger son in the parable of Jesus told, I was going home on a train they had packed up my belongings at prep school and sent me on my way, not because I was on the dean's list, <laughs> but because I was part of a prank with three others and I was the one who got caught. And I was saying to myself as the train rumbled through North Alabama on its way toward Birmingham, toward that beautiful old terminal station, I was thinking to myself, if only, if only I hadn't gotten involved with those guys. If only I had gone to another school. 
if only, if only, if only. But most of all, what I was thinking as I rode in that train in the darkness of night, looking at the only thing I could see, which was my own reflection on the inside of the window of that train, I was mostly thinking about the one who was going to pick me up at the terminal station. Dad. I could see the seersucker suit and the straw hat and the pell-mell unfiltered cigarette that Dad would be smoking when I got there. And sure enough, when I got there, that's exactly what I saw, was my dad waiting on me. Rather than the angry theological phrases I was expecting to hear, Dad and I walked in silence to the car. When we got to the car, Dad put out the pell-mell that he was holding in his hand, one of the cigarettes that eventually would take his life, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, all of that is past, but what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It wasn't what I expected at all. My dad had actually put a future tense, a future orientation on this awful moment in my life. It's what good repentance does. Good repentance doesn't turn our mind around and we blabber about how awful the things we have done, although that's important to confess what we've done wrong. Good repentance turns our mind around toward a new future, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Many years ago, I had a friend named Ada. Ada did everything perfectly. She was one of the first women to graduate from the University of the South. She met and married a man that was a student there. They had beautiful children. He was successful. They went to a big, beautiful Episcopal church. Everything was perfect. And then one day, the rector left. Y'all have experienced that. <laughs> and the new rector came. And all Ada heard in his sermons was what we call universal salvation theology. That's the theological premise that someday, some way, every knee will bend, every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord, if not in this life, then in the next. Ada hated those sermons. They were like fingernails going across a chalkboard. Every Sunday she was gritting her teeth, hating every word of those sermons. And so finally she did what any good Christian person would do. She got out her Bible and highlighted every place in the New Testament that mentions the elect. And she took that Bible down to that rector and she pointed every one of them out to him. And when she got through, the rector said to her, Ada, it sounds like you're some sort of modern day Pharisee. And with that, Ada left that church. She took her family and she found a church where people were condemned to hell on a weekly, if not daily basis. <laughs> It was a mystery to me. I mean, you might disagree with the universal salvation, that's fine. 
but it's not exactly a threatening theology. Years went by, and I would ponder this mystery. And then it came to me like a bolt out of the blue, an epiphany, one day sitting in theology class at Virginia Seminary. Ada had a brother, Cam, the black sheep of the family, who was an unrepentant alcoholic. And in fact, on one occasion, rumor has it that he left rehab with two very well-dressed women in evening gowns holding two bottles of champagne in his hand and waving to his former people in rehab. <laughs> For Ada, the thought of going to the pearly gates and being greeted by Cam in that limousine holding those two bottles of Roderer Crystal champagne was too much to bear. So she had to get out of that church find one where people are condemned on a regular basis. Like Ada, grace is hard to experience if you, th if you think you're not in need of it. Self-righteousness is a feast fit for a king. The chief problem is the carcass at the feast is you. What you're wolfing down is yourself and your response to the party invitation is always regrets today is what's called mothering sunday in england and in ireland we call it refreshment sunday sometimes or lotaire sunday the idea is we sort of lighten up on lynn a little bit Today I'd like to do a modern retelling of the parable that comes from a play written by Lorraine Hansberry, a play called A Raisin in the Sun. I would mention that it was made into a movie not once but twice, but my wife's here today and she doesn't like me to make references to movies. <laughs> Lorraine Hansberry's play, A Raisin in the Sun, debuted on March the 11th, 1959. So it's been exactly 60 years ago this month that that play was performed. In the opening scene of the play, we meet a family, the younger family, and the three main characters are the mother, Lena, her daughter, Bernitha, and her youngest, and her, excuse me, her oldest son, her only son, Walter Lee Jr. Family has just learned that Walter Lee Sr., who has recently died, unbeknownst to the family, had owned a life insurance policy. Well, in 1959 dollars, it was $10,000, but let's bump it up because of inflation to, oh, I don't know, $250,000. It was a chunk of money, and all of a sudden, Mama had to make a decision about who was going to get that money. Mama had a dream. Her dream was to have a little cottage out in the country, maybe a white picket fence around it, maybe a, a garden in back. Bernitha, her daughter, had a dream of going to medical school and taking care of her mother and her brother and her nephew and her sister-in-law. Walter Lee Jr. had a dream. He had been hanging out at the Kit Kat Lounge and one of his friends wanted to open a liquor store 
And Walter Lee wanted to take the money and invest it in the liquor store. Mama had to decide who would get the money. She gave the money to her son, Walter Lee, who took it down to the Kit Kat Club and gave it to his friend. But his friend betrayed him, took the money, skipped town, vamoosed. And so Walter Lee, like the younger son in today's parable, had to come to himself and decide whether he wanted to skip town too or go home and face the music. He decided to go home. He got home and fell on his knees and begged forgiveness from his mama. And his sister Bernitha lit into him. Mama interrupted her and said, I thought I taught you to love him. And Bernitha said, love him, there's nothing left to love. And Mama said, there's always something left to love. If you ain't learned that, you ain't learned nothing. Have you cried for that boy today? I don't mean for yourself and the money, I mean for him, what he's been through. Child, child, when do you think is the time to love somebody the most? When they've done good and made life easy for everybody? In the parable Jesus told, the older son refuses his father's RSVP. His father's RSVP to come in and join the celebration. He says, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you've never given me so much as a goat to make merry with my friends. But when your son came back, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the loving father said to his oldest son, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and now is found. The kingdom of heaven is RSVP. The only way to miss the celebration is to regret. The Holy One who waits for our reply is more concerned with our future than our past. His love and patience awaits us at a celebration of grace. The favor of our reply is all that is required of us. May each of us open our hearts to the loving parent who says, all of that is past, but what are you going to do with the rest of your life? The loving parent who says, there's always something left to love. If you ain't learned that, then you ain't learned nothing. The loving parent who says, we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found.